Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello, everybody. I am Sue Minahan, host and founder of Talk Cosmos, where we have insightful conversations that awaken your consciousness for soul growth. And today, this is being aired on Memorial Day weekend, Sunday, May 28th. However, I have a little secret. We are pre-recording because in the Northwest area, where my two partners of of membership in this panel, Amanda Pierce and John Chinworth, are at NORWAC, which is Northwest Astrological Conference. And that's a fact. Okay, today, but what's holding us as our topic, we're not having a person today, we're having a subject, you could say, and that's the coronation of King Charles III. He's the first Charles for the Commonwealth with the UK since the 1600s and the Stuarts. So that has some legacy there. I haven't quite figured out how, but it's a little factor to consider. Okay, we are ready now for Kaleidoscope Visions. Learning about current transits and exploring soul growth cosmic conscious energies applied to natal transit chart readings provided from the audience. This is your Kaleidoscope Visions panel. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, the founder of Talk Cosmos, an electric evolutionary astrologer, consultant, certified color energy life coach, vice president of the Washington State Astrological Association, member of Kepler Astrology Toastmaster Club, of a Dwarf Planet University diploma and AA with music degree. I love mythology, philosophizing, collaboration. I'm an artist, writer, a perpetual student of life. I'm Amanda Pierce, a soul-centered astrologer, astrological consultant, and empowerment-based meditation teacher. I have a BA in psychology, I'm a wellness enthusiast with a passion for healthy eating, and I enjoy creating new realities and shifting old paradigms. And I am John Chenworth, an astrologer from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in southern Arizona and was so obsessed with mythology that I concretely imprinted the Greco-Roman pantheon into my psyche. I still see those gods and goddesses infused into everything around me. My experiences of working with developmentally disabled and resource students for many years as both teacher and mentor has given me a strong compassion for others and has seasoned me with an exceptional reconciling energy. I have more than 18 years experience reading natal charts and continue to enhance consulting techniques by attending workshops and conferences. I use a unique blend of evolutionary, archetypal, and traditional astrological methods to look for themes in the birth chart for us to explore. I also enjoy penning poems and exploring Washington State on road trips. And like the Sufi poet Rumi says, You are the entire ocean in a drop. Well, and there's a lot of drops between Hawaii and Seattle, as we know. (laughs) Yes, there is. Yeah, well, hello, Amanda, and hello, John. It's so good to see you again. Hello, lovely to be here with you both. Good to see you. Well, let's bring up these slides, shall we? Okay, we are on a subject. Whoops, well, there it goes. And this, again, for folks, has how to contact Amanda, John, or myself. And 
Okay, I'm trying to get rid of this uh, thing on my computer. Oh, well. So right now we realize that Jupiter, the largest planet in the sky, is has just entered Taurus. As, of, as we speak, which is a few weeks, a week ahead, but it will be on the 28th too. So any thoughts about Taurus and as a groundwork for this? Because it does relate to the coronation. Well, I think of Jupiter and Taurus, both of those. Well, Jupiter is the biggest planet. It takes up space and Taurus just wants to be there and take up space. So they've come together saying, just be here. <laughs> present right earth it up <laughs> yeah right well yeah and so and jupiter so it's your beliefs your belief systems it's wisdom higher learning it's also the wisdom that you can dispense out to the world and so <laughs> this is we're shifting now from that aries energy into taurus so there's uh opportunity here to figure out what wisdom you're going to allow in to yourself um, in, into your world and your consciousness. That's a good point. It is actually a receptive yin energy, yet it wants to survive. And so it, there's a lot of strength to take that inspiration from Aries that went forward and separated to establish, root yourself like a tree in the limb, reach to the heavens and ground yourself Maybe a little bit of a what have we just been through so rapidly aries and now we're going to sit here what will come next what are the ideas when gemini comes around next year right yeah, yeah exactly i a mean like we, we had like a two-year period where jupiter was in aries and it was instinctual we're trying new things and kind of shooting from the hip and getting in trouble that's a very aries <laughs> kind of quality um and you think about the pandemic you know it's like that oh. was very um, heightened energy, and that's that Aries kind of um, just trying to figure out how to like move and survive in the world. And now into Taurus, it's a little steadier. There's more space space to breathe, <clears throat> and so we're now um, with Taurus. This is so it's been about what twelve years since um, Jupiter has been in Taurus. So our our values have shifted in that time period. And so Taurus is all about values. And so we get to kind of reevaluate, reevaluate how, um, how we see our values and what our beliefs are about them. And um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting time. Well, it's true. I think Aries is so instinctive. That energy simply wants to go where its energy is directed and the survival parts really with, Taurus, but they're both artistic. You know, it's nonverbal just before the the language um, archetype of Gemini coming up. So there could be a lot of ways of personally experiencing music, artwork, you know, the more the the graphic part, how to express ourselves and the sensual, you know, it's our body. It's spirit into body. It's so, a big shift from uh, Aries to Taurus, Aries being ruled by Mars. Imagine that Mars energy attached. And now in Taurus, uh, that, that's a Venus rulership, which is like a calming down. Also, I took some, took some notes on like uh, self-worth, uh, prosperity, abundance, being able to focus, right? And surrounding yourself with beautiful things. 
Yeah, here on the 19th of May, at uh, as far as the world point, because we are talking about UK, and so that's why I brought up this particular time for the chart, would be in the evening at 519 and 50 seconds, so it's almost 520. And as we know, because we're going to be moving into the coronation pretty soon for a chart, but the coronation happened a while back before this ingress. So it hasn't quite made it into Taurus, but as it has, because today when we're airing this on the 28th, it's like a juggle between all these dates to begin with, you know, but it's in this tension of activation, 90 degrees square, which we call in astrology, but the consciousness is really of this activating, needing to, to, to rectify something between the planet Pluto in networking community oriented Aquarius that wants to transmute things. So this is all fixed energy, which is not so easy to adjust to, right? It's going yeah. to be some real. Well, what, I, what I'm really struck by with this, with this chart, this um, Jupiter into Taurus ingress is the moon conjunct Chiron in Aries. And so this is what, this is the foundation that we're coming out of with all of that Aries energy and that um, kind of the strife that we've been going through internally. And, and like you said, John ruled by Mars. So there's a fighting energy to it. Mm -hmm. And so some wounding around that. And so moving into Taurus now, Taurus as a reaction to Aries can often be like, okay, I'm just gonna like hunker down stick with what works and not move. But Sue, like you mentioned, it's squaring Pluto. And so Pluto's not really going to allow us to like fully like mm -hmm. um, clench down on things. It's going to want us to, to keep on moving, to keep shifting and growing and, uh, and moving forward so that we can really build out these new values yeah. that, that right. work for us. But I think the key here could be this flowing energy of the water, of these energies that are in water, which is emotions, because Taurus is something that feels, it has sensory. And whenever you manifest anything, it's being expounded upon this, how we feel. Our mind can tell us all kinds of things, but unless we get into that framework that we sense it and feel it, that's when the manifestation helps. And I think probably because we're in such a transition throughout time, we can go into all these different aspects of why. I mean, the very fact that Pluto, which has a long cycle, is now in a new sign. And we're also in an air connecting energy, new sign of air, also Aquarius, which is go actually zero degrees. And I will say it goes back to 2020 in December when... Jupiter and Saturn were at that degree, meaning that there's a lot of set things that we can't just rest on. I mean, I'm picking up, Amanda, what you're saying, that normally Jupiter and Taurus would go, hey, this is fine. Let's just sit back and continue on and build this thing. But now it's like all our values are being exposed through so many different many changes that we we don't have that opportunity which is okay if we realize we're making lemonades out of lemon a lot 
a lot of lemonade. Get your stand up. <laughs> yeah. And, and Aquarius is, you know, often associated with the earth and um, the environment and, um, and more humanitarian actions. And so this is uh, maybe where the values are going to be shifting for a lot of people yes. so that it just, you know, we're more in harmony with the, with the world that we're living in. Yes. I love it. That's good. I want well, to say something about Saturn in that chart. Can we go back a little to the previous slide? I will try to do that. Oh. <laughs> that was a challenge. Okay, we did it. Saturn is in the fourth house. We were talking about what, what would the work be? You know, Saturn wants to get the work done. Well, it's it's in like a hidden part of the chart. So it's like really deep interior personal interior. Uh, personal work that's very deep. Also, I wanted to note that uh, Mars is trying Neptune, which is like I don't know. That's a fierce work on spirituality. These are kind of good things. And, and, and those planets are, are like nicely aspected. Forgetting and they're all planet. in water signs. Saturn's right. Well, that's it. That's yeah. what I was bringing up. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So in other so. words, we have this fertility. If we think of water, it's emotional. It's not easy. Water can be very aggressive. It can be so many things. I mean, Really, when you start thinking about the dynamics of water, you know, it goes into steam, it can hurt, goes into rain, it gets wet, it, it, it has tsunamis, it has rivers, all these factors, right? It's water and it's our emotions. So in other words, but by sensing and really connecting with feelings, which had, is water, and the yeah, I, there's growth. South node, south node in Scorpio, you know, this is a releasing yeah. of deep emotions. So. Right. Yeah, so I think we've, it's, we'll know more as the months go. And next month we'll see, maybe we'll, you know, we'll have more info as we've lived it. So we are talking about this event that happened with now in the UK, which is part of the Commonwealth. And just for our audience, there are 54 countries that are in the Commonwealth. The UK is one and the primary one, of course. I mean, I, I, being an American citizen here, I do think of it as, although there's Australia and Canada and many, many, there's 54 countries because anybody can join, unlike in the past where it was part of uh, the domains, but there's also territories. I mean, if you really expand on it, and there is a link here if you wanna find out more about it, but they are sovereign states. But they are pledging allegiance to the British crown, meaning that that's quite a bit of power that this monarchy has that wobbles between its, because the, their countries are not, they're democratic and they have, or they have, they vote in their parliament or whatever, governing factions, but they are powerful. They have some power. So here's our chart, and it's King Charles. He was, his birth time is November 14th, 1948 at 9.14 p.m. General, or not general, um, Greenwich Mean Time in Buckingham Palace. And the coronation was May 6th of this year at 2023 at 12.02 p.m. Universal time, which is the same thing as uh, British Standard Time, I, I believe, in London. So we have the bi-wheel, 
And for those that can see it, King Charles is in the middle. Oh, it strikes and me so interesting. <laughs> Just saw that, you know, the moon in the natal chart, the inner circle uh, with the North Node, and he was forever the longest prince, mom, queen, the moon, <laughs> right? <laughs> and there oh. it kind of is in the chart a little bit. <laughs> interesting. It is. There's many ways to see charts, and I love it. it He's it's like the longest true. waiting prince of all time in English history, I think. He waited the longest to become king. Yeah. And it's so oh. fascinating that this coronation happens exactly on that nodal return for him. Exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, how would that? In his life. Yeah. It, to me, that does show some of the synchronicity of astrology. You know, we try to interpret it, how, how to understand it. But by reviewing it, I know for myself, some pivotal things like selling a house. When did it finally happen after years and years and years or a cabin? Right on my nodes. There is something about. And yeah. So here, it, it, bringing those two points up that the nodes and nodes are when the orbits of the moon and the sun intersect. It's a cycle 18 and a half years. And we're just finishing up this one in resourceful Taurus and release, you know, with, you know, I don't want to get into those too much. We've talked a lot about them. Good point. Yeah. You know it's, mm. Oh, I was just going to say his nodes are in the, the 10th. So, his north node's in the 10th house, fourth, south node is in the fourth house. And so these are, you know, very much associated with um, family inheritance. And so mm -hmm. he's, he's working through this, moving more towards that north node. Finally, he's king with, in the 10th with house. With Jupiter there, which expands that north node. <laughs> yeah. And Jupiter's not like in, um, Jupiter's not in Taurus yet, but, um, I just, I got the dates for that when the, those transits happened. Well, May 6th, and it is on the 19th, remember? So and here we are, and we're kind of a little bit mixed up because we're pre-recording this, which is very unusual. But Yes. So but his airing on the 28th, so all of this will have happened. And I think that's the interesting part. You had mentioned that possibly astrologers helped dictate the time, and often they'll do that just ahead knowing that, is a uh, horrorary thing that that are electional that this energy is coming up that it will connect with his moon because a moon in Taurus is considered a very fertile, powerfully positive energy. Yeah, so transiting Jupiter conjuncted his moon on May sixteenth, and it will conjunct his North Node on June third. Yeah. So it's um, good things ahead. Yeah, it, it's well, it's a matter really of. Um, is he willing to release what he needs to, what stuck energy is he, is he willing to release to allow this bounty of Jupiter to come in? Because you always have to like release something to allow more good in. Then let's look at Saturn. Now Saturn, as we know, represents longevity. That's I'm doing some study with vibrationals and it's not just limits, but it's longevity. What lasts beyond our lifetime. And here in his chart, it's opposite to the degree of the coronations. So there's a real awareness of some kind of action here where his is in Virgo, always trying to improve yourself, but maybe feeling critical. And, and the other is in Pisces, which it is currently right now, the next two and a half years. 
Well, and, and when I look at that Saturn in the second natally for him, for him personally, like in Saturn in Virgo, that can be a very, um, very self-critical and mm-hmm. in the second house, not really feeling worthy of yes. being in this position. So this is like Saturn is about mastery. It's a lifetime process of finding that mastery within yourself. So it opposing that Saturn in Pisces, which is like Pisces is like the divine. It's like this divine right. Uh, I mean, that's the, that's the old way that they used to look at it, right? We don't look at that as, as thinking of, of the royalty or the monarchy as divine, but that was, um, that was the, the tagline or the... the um, he might... Oh, I know, John, you want to speak. And I'm just going to add, oh, go he could be adding... A whole another characteristic that is so current of bringing in more the spiritually metaphysical part. John, what were you going to say? Uh, uh, with all the heaviness of that Saturn in the second house and Virgo, so perfectionist, everything's got to be just right. Can he now, as king, uh, we look at the coronation chart, Saturn out there in Pisces, can he accept public love and will they accept him? <gasps> will the universal accept him? He's, he, he might be really terrified because he's been in the shadow of Queen Elizabeth for so long. That's mm-hmm. that's a hard step to take. But he our- wants it. And I think with that moon in Taurus there mm-hmm. at the top with his North Node that you both brought up, he he there is a stability and a well We'll find out. Well, and that and his natal Saturn trines his North Node and the coronation North Node, so that's a really nice indicator that he's going to be able to kind of step into this for himself. Hmm. Yeah, but there is a lot of personal uh, work on what is real power, and I think he will find that out. He will adjust to it. He has. it's either survive or die. <laughs> I mean, not physically. I don't mean that people. I meant uh, as a monarchy, as the monarchy. But his. let's look at the next one. What are we doing here? Charles does have a history of being very interested in like uh, modern technology and, and new ways to think about the environment. So mm. in, in a way, he might be the perfect king for this time. Yes. Surprise us. I hope <laughs> yeah. it will be interesting. Here we have England representing and its last chart natal chart because it's a very old country since 900 with king alfred but it is 1801 january 1st 1801 at 1 a.m in london so it's on the inside representing part of the commonwealth but more england as a people here and then the coronation so the monarchy england and its monarchy it just some looking at that as a transit. And I know, Amanda, you had brought up, which I think is, I'm going to point out immediately, that the moon represents in mundane astrology the people, and it's in cancer. So it is, it, this replicates very much what you both said, and the sun down there in the fourth house, right at the foundation of their personal life, it's very much you two can really express it so well. I thought where about the monarchy, how do they see it? Yeah. Yeah. The sun is in a mundane chart. The sun is the ruler. And so the sun being 
right there at the um, right at the IC, which is that foundational place. It's also the cusp of the fourth house. So there's a mothering influence to it. So the fact that we that England has had so many longstanding female rulers, successful female rulers, just really makes sense with it. And then, John, you pointed out the, the yeah, moon. John. What did you want to well, say? Well, that moon in the, in the mid heaven at the, the highest point where that that would be the king. Well, it's a moon conjunct the mid heaven, and it's in Cancer, which shows up for like Queen Victoria and both Queen Elizabeth and all those. It's very interesting. Yeah, and they. They expect this kind of parental leadership. They're both in not only they're in these the, the cardinal signs of parenting, mm -hmm. which also go along with the solstices, you know, the north and the south and all of that, just thinking um, astronomically, but in cancer of family and personal tribal clan you know so your personal yeah. life and the, then the royal family is their family and yeah. maybe that's why this this one monarchy persists and keeps going right. so like maybe ingrained with the people where they identify so deeply with it maybe and the and cancer capricorn both very traditional signs so hmm. they love their history they love sticking to tradition so you know it makes sense that that they the monarchy has endured to this point yeah. They're, they're always changing the guard every morning. When I was in Seattle, because I was just back there downgrading a, a storage locker since I've moved to Hawaii, and where I was staying was a person from the UK, a young a woman who was considering going back to live or staying. She was trying to figure it out. But she shared, and I thought this was indicative perhaps as one person, that, that was really an effort to consider a new monarchy because the queen had been probably during her entire lifetime. I mean, the queen was since the fifties, almost 70 years. It was 70 years. Yeah. And so it's, it's a huge change. And in this particular chart, that seems to indicate that for England, but knowing and after the break, we will compare the two coronations because the times are quite different. You know, now we're looking towards the networking of community. And at that time, it was more sovereignty of leadership. We had just come out of World War II and other factors. Because here, what I'm tying together before we leave, is that Mars, the activation planet of moving ahead towards some achievement is from the country is looking at this coronation of their thought and mentality represented by Mercury with their sun in 15 degrees Taurus, which is a world point because it's right in the middle. It's a fixed, as fixed as you can get. So hmm. here they're really trying to work out this concept of how is this a, new leadership going to be working with our uh, life force, you know, eighth house. Yeah. Yeah. A world point to it. Like it affects the entire world. So this, this coronation is going to ripple out to the whole world. It's not just going to be some, mm. um, you know, changing of the guard and, and it's, it's going to have an impact. And, and Sue, I liked your story about the, um, your your friend who was just like kind of rocked by this shift, this change, 
and how that that fits well with Pluto showing up in the fourth house of England here. So it's like it's a really big change on a foundational level, a big power switch. Yeah, and I just realized with that, it's opposite. And we're talking astrology talk here, folks, but a, a Jupiter, which is, again, the ideology of our belief patterns, our opinions, our higher learning and all that. And it's in a fire sign of Leo, like, yeah, I'm, which relates to the royalty. So it, there's a... At one degree, Leo. <laughs> yeah. It just arrived. This is yeah. a big thing. It's right? still Here I be, am. <laughs> actually, that won't really take into effect until 2024 because at this point, Pluto stays rocked at zero degrees until June 11th. And then it comes back January 21st back to zero degrees. And it, then it starts moving in. But it keeps going back and over that point five times because I've looked at the charts. Okay, we are ready, past due, for our little break. And we'll be back with Amanda Pierce and John Chinworth and myself, Sue Rose Minahan. Talk Cosmos with Kaleidoscope Visions. See ya. take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the period of Gemini. By leaving a cycle based on physical form, integrated through spirit, the energy of Gemini connects spirit with matter, focused on communicating and defining the external. Gemini is a mutable air sign signifying flexibility. Gemini duly focuses upon teaching and learning in order to synthesize the world one lives within. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to NewProSupplements.com, we cover the world of animals. This week, June 4th, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll check in with our regulars, Meow Cat Rescue, Help Animals India, Seattle Dogs Homeless Program, plus we'll talk with the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga and find out about all the great events coming up this month. Hope you can join us for Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Surprise, we're back. Okay. So I'm with Amanda, and if we could get those slides up again, Nathan. Oh, thank you. All right, so let's see. We were looking at what we're talking about generally are a couple of factors just to bring in people in case they return. Jupiter, the biggest planet in the sky, has just as of the 19th of May entered Taurus. 
of stability, survival, resources, sensory, bringing spirit into form. Big. Everything's big about Jupiter. Everything's big about Taurus. And that started on the 19th. Meanwhile, in England, for the UK, King Charles, now King Charles III, since the 1600s was the last time that we had a we, I mean, that the Commonwealth of 54 nations now had a king named Charles. Tiny factor, maybe, but maybe significant. The point being, that was May 6th. So we're in a little bit of a time warp here as far as we're concerned, because we're also pre-recording this a week ahead. But these are the facts that you're listening to that are important. And we have been looking at the coronation with Charles, King Charles III. And then we, between him and the, and the monarchy, which is the coronation, and now England and the monarchy. So going ahead... And there's going to be a lot of changes. Let's see. Let's compare the two of them with Queen Elizabeth II that happened on June 2nd, 1953 at 11.15 a.m. British Standard Time in London, along with the coronation of King Charles III on May 6th, which was at 12.02 p.m., Universal time, which is also British Standard Time, because it's in the summer. At any rate, so we have here a very amazing factor that they both have exactly the same ascendant, which in astrology is very interesting, meaning that's how all the planets go around the horoscope. It's both 27 Leo. And the same midheaven at 16 Taurus. So really fascinating. It is. Especially. I think there may be, I often wonder with these coronation charts, yeah. um, they, they must be planned because they want their king to be brought in when the sun is high in the sky, the power of the king or the monarch. Yeah. Um, that could be like the, a common thing with coronation charts. England has, I think, a secret metaphysical energy. I could go back to the England chart, but they have, in fact, I should do that. Oh my gosh. Can right. They, they have um, royal astrologers. Oh, well, Elizabeth I and John D. they were very close. <laughs> yeah, they do because, and, and it's a wonderful thing, really. Where am I trying to find it? England. Here's England. Okay, that's the UK. And where was I seeing that? Well, nevertheless. Okay, let's get back to our point. I don't want to lose. That, Sorry about this. That the ascendants conjunct, um, the midheaven conjunct. I mean, those are foundational axes. Um, so it would make sense that they want to continue to create that, that same foundation. Seamless. Um, yes. The support. And I and love how, I love how, uh, Queen Elizabeth's coronation chart, she's got sun conjunct Jupiter in the 10th house. I mean, that's beautiful energy for a prosperous reign. Hmm. Well, it is. It makes in communication. She was very big communication. I know that she began this idea of going on television in order to bring the people to her because only so many people can go to the actual coronation. And so she broke away from some tradition. And in Gemini, I, you know, when you think about it, it that's what it does. It communicates to your neighborhood, to your people. 
And here we have the son for Charles III, King Charles III, at that world point of stability. John? Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, through English history, gradually the monarch loses more power and the parliament becomes more powerful. With Elizabeth, she made sure she was always involved with anything that parliament did and her voice was heard. And she became very respected for that as this neutral, what are we, like a guidepost kind of thing. Because she's this really great link to the past and she's lived through all this. So maybe that's that Mercury and Mars just fiercely, here's my voice, you know? Although I'm also looking... Yeah, in support of all this, that the outer planet Pluto, which takes 250 years to orbit, but has such an elliptical orbit that it's very short in certain signs and long in other signs. So in Leo, it was 25 years. And it, it, during that time in 1953, it was squarely in the Leo, which is sovereignty and ruled by the sun and leadership of that royalty, really, domain. Whereas now, in 2023, Pluto, as of, I think it was, when did it go in? It went into March. In March, it entered Aquarius. Could have been the 25th. But at any rate, but that is the opposite axis of it where we're considering networking with community so how do we fit how how do we as our sovereignty fit into that it's a dramatic like a public shift. king rather than a, a king for a king's sake or queen's sake back in the 50s now uh maybe the new monarch has to take in consideration being a part of society mm -hmm. and you know do you know what i'm saying Yes, yeah. and like being like of the people right. more and right. like really caring for the people and sure. potentially distributing wealth differently. I don't know. Interesting. Becoming, uh, and technology would have to come into play as well. I mean, Aquarius, I don't know what that would be, but. You're and, right. and the I And I, it's possible the environment could come into play, like becoming mm -hmm. more environmental stewards. Um, you know, because a lot of the, the, the Commonwealth, um, they've got, they have countries all over the world that are going to be affected by climate change. Especially before, the island countries. Right. Before yes. our first world countries are going to be affected. And so like these, they're, they're supposed to be the, the, um, the stewards of these countries. Hmm. So that'll be interesting to watch and see, and see what happens there. It's interesting. The nodal squares. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's um it's a and it's a a first quarter square too. So from the um the queen's coronation it was north node in Aquarius and now it's moved one quarter along the way and so that's a a stressor, right? Like this is a much different time than it was during the queen's coronation. Much different challenges. Um, that that this um, that King Charles's rule is going to be working with. It's, the I, North Node is is uh, it's in Taurus. It's just screaming. What about the Earth? To me, that's what it's saying. Yes, you know? and I think John, that is supported by the fact 
that Saturn wanting longevity and going back mm. to the nature that you were bringing up, Amanda, in Pisces, which is the world at large, nature, those energies that we have no control over. We have no control over nature in a sense and the winds and the animals and all of that really. And so it could be that leadership, you know, it's above where it's with the population of others and at large, it's not private, but it's the large picture. So I think hopefully, yes, he will well, be focused. Yeah. And, and if you look at, so Queen Elizabeth, the sun is conjunct Jupiter strongly in the, the 10th house um, with King Charles, the sun is conjunct the midheaven, but also Uranus. So there is a lot of potential here to change things, to shift mm -hmm. things. It's yeah. just a matter of how much he's willing to move there um, and how quickly it, it may be inevitable, you know, it may just have to go that way. And the struggle may be um, just on how quickly he's able to shift there. He had a history of, um, he had a history of being interested in, in new ways to farm and, and being really environmental and they laughed mm. at him. And now he becomes king and we're at a time where we really could use some of that. Excellent. So maybe he'll rise to his platform. And then we were talking about his, uh, all the perfectionism and that, and the discomfort, and all the Virgo, how hard he can be on himself if he's willing to right. speak his truth. And look at this. It really seems like the energy of transmutation. And what yeah. is transmutation? Pluto wants life. It says whatever is finished and expired and no longer serving your life force out, it's purged. And so he has that, that's where his destiny of North Node uh, collective, it's a collective here, and, and it's a spiritual destiny. And natally, he has Pluto in the first house, in Leo. So it's like his whole life is about how do I, how do mm -hmm. I bring my personal power, my creative self-expression mm, yeah. into the yeah. world? And so yeah. this may be a big, a big piece to that. He may be ready for it. He may not. We'll see. Yeah, we have a few minutes and we can go back. But with the monarchy, we know that there's already been a lot of disruption that Prince Harry, and you don't call him Prince Harry anymore, I suppose. It's Duke of Sussex, you know, which he's yeah. kept that title because I did some little chats with him. So it's, um, and he and Megan, and pardon me if I spelt the name wrong here on a couple of them, are obviously, he went, she didn't, and has a baby and all that. And it, it makes sense, but still there's choices. But, and we're not trying to delineate all of this. It is a bit complex, but this is like the coronation in the middle, which is the new monarchy, and then the two going out. So there's... Uh, Harry, and then there's Megan. But right off the bat, just looking at those blue, and then I've itemized them on one side for those that could see. But interestingly, the nodes are all exact, and that's that moment between, with the coronation, either there's big changes of, of there's Pluto of, 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 transformation of what works for support
support, I mean, not just support, but Pluto exchange, like here in Scorpio, it wants to exchange resources with others. And it's conjunct for Harry, the South Node, which wants to release, you know, of the collective South Node in Scorpio of the coronation. And then you have the notes, and then you have Magnus, South, her nodes, square all of that there's a lot of power shifts a lot of would it, if you have any feedback here i was just thinking maybe uh with all the nodes and plutos all lined up like that a time for transformational growth move along on your evolutionary journey what are you going to do with this energy right and there is a lot of if i'm looking at this right it's so much information emphasis on north nodes that you're saying move forward you know, ah, so the shift in the royalty in London, well, they're going to have to shift too. Yep. I guess. Well, yeah. unless, I mean, well, my, the queen sense, is not there anymore. And that was, that was the sounding board and it's a new king and it's a whole new arrangement. So they're also my, looking at a new world. <laughs> my sense from that, from that chart is that it probably was a good thing that Megan didn't go to the coronation. Yeah. I don't think it was, I don't think it would benefit her. I mean, and there was still backlash that she didn't go and, you know, people are judging her for, they're going to judge her regardless of what action she takes. But with that Pluto, the coronation Pluto on her South node, that's not, that's not a positive energy for her. So it was probably yeah. the best thing that she really stepped back. And to me, and I moved on with the charts for those that are seeing, but I appreciate you both with your comments. And I think the point here that including that energy was to recognize that there is a lot of change. Their story hasn't ended. It's a, it's a re it's a transmutation. You know, it takes a while for the caterpillar to be the butterfly. And so even though they're in a sense divorced from the monarchy, there's still blood and it's, it's a story that's ongoing. So it's true. Do you want to go back to this? This is King Charles himself and the coronation, because one factor I didn't bring up and I was reminded through your conversations collectively was Saturn opposing Saturn. You know, I think that we were talking about how he's, I guess we did co comment on that. We did. Did you have any other further thoughts on that, Sue? Well, now I think I lost myself. Maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. so many different ways, you know, that you could interpret it. There's so many different layers to it. So yeah. it's always interesting. I had made a little discovery. If you could bring up the United Kingdom chart. This is very interesting. Yeah. Um, the okay. foundation of the United Kingdom. On that date, a dwarf planet was discovered. Hmm. Ceres. Same day, oh. which is really interesting. We didn't have series in the chart. I mean, another uh, mothering, oh, right? I, I was wanting to keep. I remembered we used to have all of the asteroids, and I was thinking Chiron. I was thinking, what was the other one? It was Ceres, because Ceres uh, is now a dwarf planet. She's not an asteroid. I mean, she's multiple things, but she is a dwarf planet. <gasps> Excellent, John. Yeah, that would be super interesting to look where Ceres shows Earth, up. Because Ceres Earth is energy. About it's earth energy and it's also like that sorrow at loss. And so oh, like yeah. losing the mother queen, um, that would be. And it's tied into the British chart from day one. Yeah. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's a really good. Well, now you've got me. I'm going to find out right this second. <laughs> I can't stand it. 
series. I'm look it up really quick and tell you where it is. Yeah. Um, series it. in Discovered. Yeah. It was January 1st, 1801. Yes. And Italy. Yes, in and, Italy. And it was rediscovered. Okay. It disappeared and came back. And like, what's this thing? Well, you know, <laughs> that's so important because I did study uh, with Alan Clay, the dwarf planet, and Ceres was so fascinating for me. It totally changed my entire experience with it because as a mythology, she travels Earth once her daughter, Persephone, is abducted by Pluto or else joins Pluto to become the queen. And, of course, that represents in many ways the vegetation of, of winter into spring that but so sorrowful and, and, and losing her. So she disguises herself. And so she's actually a goddess that walks on Earth. So the fact that she went away for a while and came back hidden is so representational with that particular mythology. It's fascinating. And and I think in our lives too, from my take of it was that if once a that energy we embody, whatever it is, that consciousness that we're trying to work with, that the message of Ceres is not to be the great goddess because she was going to burn the mortality out of the baby that she was being a nanny to and was discovered. And so the mother's horrified. And and then Ceres reveals herself as this great goddess. But instead what she does is she teaches the, the son or the, brother who suddenly grew up i guess from being a baby but anyway taught that baby agriculture so in other words she shared a sustaining resource that was hands-on you know agriculture it's not like she is the hands-on goddess she's like you get in there and put your hands in the ground and (laughs) plant a garden you know yeah so she's like this, the real deal. She's kind of, she's a really cool goddess. So it's interesting. I think UK, England, the Commonwealth has possibly a new story to help the rest of us, I would hope, um, navigate the new times because we're definitely all working new waters. We may not be out with our boats trying to take countries like here in Hawaii. Captain Cook didn't do too well. <laughs> Well, but, just so many um, planetary shifts in the past few months has been yeah. huge. Yeah, it's interesting it here the um, the coronation chart that that Sun and Midheaven are squaring the UK's Venus, and so mm. you know I I'm just hearing a lot in the news today about how hard it is to um, to live in the UK, how how high inflation is. You know, it's just it's become really untenable. And so it'll be interesting to see if this, um, if King Charles's rule has an impact on that for the people. And you can see also that Uranus is up there at 18, squaring that Venus. Um, what is what is that gonna mean for the-, for the Well, people? this does bring the fact that every 84 years, because Uranus has an 84-year cycle. Actually, it's 83 because I did this with Laura Tad, Dr. Tad, back uh, on May 7th. We did an extensive Jupiter and Taurus. And in 2024, Jupiter will 
uh, join or connect or make a conjunction astrology talk with Uranus. And the last time was 1941. And oh, so there wow. are upcoming, and if you can look at one of the, I have this in, anyway, go back to May 7th, folks, and listen to Laura and I talk. But yeah, you know, interestingly, there'll that, be changes. That Venus in Aquarius, the love of the common good, square Uranus technology grounding itself, maybe that's part of the thing. I mean, that might be part of the, what are we going to do here? Yeah, and Venus are they, they kind does, of at odds with each other, and do they need to work together better? And Just which was again, questions. which right. needs to work together? Repeat. That. Well, Uranus representing technology, and it's in Taurus. Oh, yes, so it's like yes, really yes, grounding. Yes. We got all this technology coming in, AI, and all that. How are we going to deal with that? And Venus is like in Aquarius. Is like we have to be a loving public. We need to be careful about what we're doing. And, and they're square, so they're kind of at odds. So the question being asked is, what? How will we deal with this? And this and energy will—it's—it's it's going to be sustained. These squares. I mean, Uranus yeah. in the sky will it's move fixed. forward, but the—but because we've got this coronation chart, this is the energy of of King Charles's rule with this mm -hmm. Venus, and so there is going to that square energy is always asking for action. So there is going to yes. be something. Yes, it does happen here. It's going to continue, and it. it it reminds me very much because it is that guide to Taurus, Venus, and like the tree going to the heavens and the earth. You know, it's it's maybe going back to the mythology of, which I'm doing next week with Israel Hosi about the mythology of Venus, which goes way back. You know, Venus is the brightest planet in the sky besides the sun and the moon, which are luminaries actually, and either an evening or a morning star after some, it was a perfect, near perfect orbit. It, it doesn't look like a star. It looks like a diamond. I mean, it's, you've seen yeah. Venus at any time. It's just this glittering, beautiful thing. Yeah. And so, and its legacy goes way back in Nana and Ishtar, and then it turns out there's another name. And when I start realizing with the languages of ancient times, we're only trying to piece together a word. But when I stop and think about any basic unit, like water, or there's many forms of water. So we'd call it an ocean, we'd call it a river, but it's still water. You know, it's a body of a lake. So all these, yeah, it's a... A lot to factor in our values, getting back to some groundedness here in Taurus, not airy fairy, but we're talking about what are our values and interconnecting them. I so thank you, Amanda Pierce and John Chinworth. Have to be here with you both. This was a fun discussion. Yeah, it is. Same here. It I enjoyed is. it so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was just going to go back to, and we're just about to bail out, but we do have this playlist for people. And do please sign up and be part of our subscription. And we'll be back always on the fourth week for Kaleidoscope Visions. If you're a fan of our panel, we'd love to have you. Okay. I guess we'll sign off. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. 
joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway. 